Deion Sanders has an interesting recruiting method at Jackson State. We take a look back at Tennessee State's football season, and South Carolina State has really flipped the script on their basketball season. There's a lot of states in there. But oh yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU Athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. What's going on, my good people? Y'all know what it is, man. We're going to vibe today because I'm really feeling good about today's episode. And today's episode is brought to us by Sonos. Experience the game like never before with the Sonos Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TVs, movies, music, gaming, and more. Visit Sonos.com to learn more. And I feel really relaxed today, more than usual. So I'm really excited to jump into the topic. And it's something that I actually was planning on talking about already. And a little bit of news actually broke on it. So over, I think, this weekend, I think it was this weekend, some Jackson State fan tweeted me on, on Twitter when I said something about Alabama A&M piling up talent, though Jackson State had got Travis Hunter, and I realized, A, that sounded really dismissive of Jackson State, and I didn't mean it to be. It was actually just supposed to be a praise of Alabama A&M and say they're not really getting that coverage that they typically that you typically would have gotten for that recruiting class because Jackson State got Travis Hunter. But I think this Jackson State fan was, you know, maybe a little bit slighted. Could he say it? He said, basically, we got another move coming, and it isn't coming from the transfer portal. And they hit me with a shush emoji, like, yeah, shut your mouth, mouth of the South. Shut your mouth of the South. Nah, I don't like that one. Nah, I don't like that one, no. We're not going to, we're going to act like that didn't happen. But I really meant no, no disrespect. I really meant no disrespect. So now we clear that part up. I was going to talk about Deion Sanders' recruiting method of saying 40%, 40%, 20%. And that's 40% grad transfer, 40% in the portal. 20% high school. That was already on my docket to talk about. I knew I was going to discuss it this week. And then a little move broke. And I don't think this is what this guy was talking about. I hope it wasn't. Otherwise, he has some bad information. But Jackson State just got a big-time transfer from the University of South Carolina. Four-star recruit coming out when he was coming out, right? Four-star recruit, Key Mullins. He's a tight end. So you have big-time grad transfers. You have big-time portal guy. And you have a big-time high school guy. That's what you're trying to get, right? You already have the big-time high school guy in Travis Hunter. Now you have Key Mullins, who I actually think is a pretty good recruit for them because that offense needs another weapon that they will use. I actually think that Malachi Weidman is is actually a pretty good receiver. He just has to be utilized. So if you get Key Mullins, then you can use him. You know, that's the important part is that you can't just have a Keith Corbin, right? Yeah, you used him. But you had other guys that just weren't utilized enough. They were underutilized. Let's say that, right? So this Key Mullins thing means nothing if you don't use him. He only saw action in 2020. He registered in 2019, and he just didn't play in 2021 before entering the portal. Um, I believe he should have three years of eligibility. I know that might depend on when exactly he entered the portal, but he didn't play any games, so he shouldn't have really had a year of eligibility used up. I don't believe I don't believe so. Um, If I'm wrong, you guys correct me on that. 
Let me know if I'm wrong. At South Exclusive, or if there's something you want to say about the podcast, check it out. And let me know what do you think about the 40-40-20 method. We're going to discuss it, but I want to make sure that you guys interact with me. And then in the high school guy, you got you got Travis Hunter. And we'll see how this goes because he hasn't even touched college yet, right? But I'm only talking about the on-the-field portion. You have the number one corner in the, in the country now, and or in the nation, high school, right? Country, nation, but high school-wise. On the field, I think you're going to see an automatic contributor. And he should elevate a defense that was on point basically all year. That wasn't a problem that they had was defense. But in the Celebration Bowl, I did feel like those corners did not play up to par. So it might be a, a situation where you had James Houston and you had them guys out there on the on the defensive line that was creating a lot of pressure. Maybe there was a hole that was covered up because of their pressure. If you get pressure, it's going to cover up some bad coverage. You know, and if you had good coverage, going to cover up some some pressure. But you know they have pressure. You know they have people affecting. So maybe that's that was one of the things that they needed to recruit up on. That's what thing one of the things that Dion said, recruiting up at all those positions. So you have a corner coming in. I think gonna be an automatic contributor. Um, I'm not saying he's gonna automatically be locked down because he is coming to a collegiate level. It's a little bit different, but it's definitely a guy that you expect to come in and play soon. So how do I feel about the 40-40-20 method? That's 40% grad transfer, 40% portal, 20% high school. So only a fifth of your recruits are really going to come from the high school rank. I actually like this idea as a way to start, honestly. But I want it to phase out as time goes on. I think it needs to phase out. Not only do I want it to, I think it needs to phase out as time goes on. I think the proper way to build your program is through high school recruiting. That's how you bring in young players who have to spend at least three years in college because this isn't like basketball. You know, this isn't basketball where it's one and done. You have to spend three years in college and you're just going to hope that those three years are spent within your institution. But when you look at it, when you get a grad transfer or just a guy in the transfer portal, the amount of time that you have with him is limited because they've already used up eligibility most times. You have... Chances like, you know, Grambling just got a quarterback from UCLA who did not use any eligibility. That's like basically getting a high school recruit. That's phenomenal. That's a building block. I don't think that grad transfers and, gra and transfer portal guys are building blocks of your organization. I think they're great ways to establish things, though. It's a big difference. It's a huge difference between building a program and having building blocks and establishment. Because you have guys who stay around, continue the legacy. That's how you build a program that's how you develop a culture and in college the culture is so important you need that at the end of the day once you create a culture of success more people come around but how can i say that and still like it because i think it is a way to an stat to establish success which can then lead to more people wanting to come there which can then lead to that culture being created it's a big difference those good teams that you have will make you attractive Players are going to want to go to places that are attractive, but once you do that, you can't continue to keep banking on things coming in because it's great. HBCUs don't get a lot of looks a lot of times. You get a four-star guy who didn't get the time that he wanted at his Power 5 school, and you're recruiting him in. Oh, that's, that's phenomenal. You're getting that talent, so I, I appreciate that. But overall, I don't think it's sustainable. This isn't basketball where you only need one guy. There's five guys on the court for your team. There's 11. And matter of fact, they don't even play both ways. So it's really 22 starters. I don't care how good Travis Hunter is. I know he's a high school guy, but I'm just going to use him. Or no, I'll use Key Mullins. I'll use Key Mullins for a transfer guy. 
I don't care how good that one player is. If he's not a quarterback, he's not going to absolutely change your program. That's going to be very difficult to accomplish simply off of one player within the game of football. That's just not fundamentally how it works because you have 11 moving parts. You have a real unit. So I don't think it's sustainable to feel like I'm going to hit on these transfer guys every single time because James Houston came in and he's gone already. James Houston comes in as a freshman. If you get him to believe in the culture, believe in the cause, look at Isaiah Land, who did not leave. He did not leave. You look at you look at James Houston coming in as a freshman. If he continues to excel, you have him for two more years. But now he's here and he's gone because he doesn't need to be there long. Those are the things that you run into with grad transfer and transfer portal guys. That's why I don't think it's sustainable because if you continue to bank on getting the big time guys in the transfer portal who are going to leave you and have a one and done type of system, I think that eventually that'll catch up to you when you're going against teams that have people who have been there for three, four years and have really built up a legacy within that program because you're banking on reloading and succeeding in the reloading every single year. I just think that's a little bit dangerous. But I'll admit to something that I have had fault in, and that's not touching on Tennessee State football enough. And I'm going to fix that error when I talk about a reflection of Tennessee football, Tennessee State football in the next segment. But I want to tell you guys about Get Upside, because if you're somebody like me, matter of fact, if you're somebody who drives a car, and I don't care if you like me or not, if you're somebody who drives a car, you're probably sick and tired of getting gas, but you know you have to do it. If you drive a lot, then you're really running into a problem. But I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you out real quick. I try to help you guys. I want you guys to get the Get Upside app because they will give you 25 cents off every gallon when you fill up. And if you use the promo code SCORE, they'll give you an additional 25 cents on your first fill up. So that's 50 cents back on every single gallon. Make that 290. I was driving. It was like 293 today. Make that 293 and a 243 and go get yourself a nice little fill up. And every time you're going to have 25 cents back, it's immediately given back to you. And there's some people who drive like all the time. Say you're driving from the north side to the south side of your city or you're just driving around. That's going to add up eventually. You're going to get gas. Make yourself make it easier on yourself. Get 25 cents off every time you fill up per gallon. You do a 18 gallons to fill up or something like that. That's a smooth four and a half dollars you're getting. And on your first fill up, you're getting 50 cents off every gallon using the promo code SCORE. This is literally not anything you can beat. And it's the New Year's, guys. And I know a lot of people's New Year's resolution is I have to get healthy. That's what I have. To, maybe I'm going to the gym. Maybe I'm trying to run. Maybe I'm trying to get on that treadmill or that bike I've been having. It's things like that. But one thing you should incorporate is eating right. Get you some built Bars. They taste just like a candy bar. And that's the thing. I hate when I try to eat healthy and I'm like, man, this just is not good. I'm not enjoying myself. That's a problem that you don't have to worry about with built Bar. It's no more, man, I am not enjoying myself. It's, oh, this is really tasty. You're sure that th th this has 17 grams of protein? Yes, I am. Get you something good to eat. Get you something that's good for you to eat. It's the best of both worlds, and it's nothing that you will complain about. Make sure you're getting Built Bar. It's going to have you 17 grams, grams of protein and, like, all this covered in chocolate that you're going to feel like you're eating something sweet, but you're really not. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your offer. That's LOCK15 for 15% off your offer at Built.com. All 
right, families, we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU. I'm trying to correct one of my errors. So I appreciate you guys making me your first listen of the day because you're going to hear me try to do this. And I want to apologize because it's wrong of me to not really have touched on Tennessee State football. I'm a big football guy. For me to not touch on them, I'm wrong for that. I'll admit that. Um, I don't feel like I've paid enough attention, not really in the sense of looking at what they're doing, but as far as paying enough attention and putting them on the show and showcasing, maybe I haven't showcased them enough. That's the proper way to really say that. The most I touched on them was with the basketball topping. And that was kind of my aggression with, with Master P and Percy, uh, no, Hersey Miller. He's Percy, Master P is Percy, but with Hersey Miller. With the football team, I talked about them getting a new weight set, I mean weight room. But I should have done more. And I'll say that. One reason I think I haven't done is I'm a swag guy. You know, I'm a swag guy. I focus heavily on MEAC and swag because, one, I'm a swag guy. I had my eyes on Grambling Southern, having those Louisiana ties, right, having those Louisiana roots as a kid. But then also I went to Texas Southern. So all three of those schools are within the swag. And then also another reason I think I focus on it is the MEAC and the swag. They have HBCU on HBCU competition. Let's be very clear. I can give you the reasons that I did it, but don't make no excuse. And I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to try to make sure that I am looking at these teams who aren't in the MEAC and the SWAC. You know, you're going to have HBCUs who aren't in there, and I need to pay them more attention, pay them more mind. Um, one thing I want to say, Eddie George has done a really good job at Tennessee State. However, I think Eddie George has done a phenomenal job at Tennessee State when you add in the context of he wasn't even thinking about this job. He wasn't even thinking about coaching, period. So when you add in just the context that he that he has, oh, he's done a really good job at Tennessee State this year because that's not the only thing, but I want to talk about it for a second. He wasn't trying to coach. I think they came up to him, and I think it was like maybe a couple of weeks. I read an article about it because I wanted to make sure that I touched on this, and I read an article about it, and they were talking about how he – I think he may have got the, the news and then a couple of weeks later he accepted the job or it was announced right it was just a few weeks so i think less than a month for you not to even be thinking about coaching and to come in and lead this team in their first in your first year to a five and six record which is their best record in the last four years i think you deserve a pat on the back for that and he also had kind of a arm tied behind his back because as a coach it's not really like Let's let's do it in pro terms, right? As a coach, you come in, you get to bring in your own coaching staff because those are your guys. You don't want to be handicapped with, all right, these are your, these are, this is your position, but you're required to keep these people. Well, that's kind of what happened to him as far as players go because he got hired in April. National signing day was in February. That's a whole month in between. He didn't get to play with his guys. He led them to their best record in four years without even having the, the chance to pick his guys. He's playing with the last coach's recruiting class. So this is no shot to them. I'm sure Eddie, Eddie George has learned to love those guys. But they ain't his. They ain't his. He did not choose to have these guys here. But now he's, he's hyped, right? He's had a, a year under his belt, and now it's a whole different situation because this is no longer the guy who wasn't even thinking about coaching nothing but a couple of months prior to starting the season you now have a guy who is had a year under his belt this is no longer the guy who is not able to recruit 
He's now going into recruiting season and he's going strong, talking about winter is coming. He's excited. It's a whole different investment because you look at how important recruiting is. Hugh Jackson got signed slightly before early National Signing Day, like the one that's in December. And he immediately hit the recruiting trails. Within 24 hours, he was out because he understands just how important it is. And especially with the time, you know, it was, I think maybe it was a week later, it was National Signing Day. So he understood how important and how quickly he had to get out there and show his face and, and spew his his method of what he's going to do in all these kids' living rooms. Eddie George never got that chance to do that. Next year will be the first year that we get to see Eddie George with his people. So we're going to be seeing what kind of players does he like? What does he recruit? What kind of pull does he have from being a great running back, especially within a, in the a state of Tennessee where I know a lot of these people know him. He was a great Titan. So I know a lot of people know him within that state. This is going to be the year that we really get to see things. And I don't see a reason for TSU to, you know, I tried. I tried. It's, I tried. It's, 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 it doesn't roll off the tongue. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep trying, but calling them, they, they just feel like Tennessee State to me. I know a guy who couldn't call T, TCU TCU. He called him Texas Christian. I think that might be me with Tennessee State. Tennessee State just rolls off the tongue better for me. I don't know. Uh, but I expect Tennessee State to be able to continue their momentum, and they're going to try to have a winning record for the first time since 2017. No more middling in the pack of the OVC. We're done with that. We're going to try to get them to go up and up and increase and have a winning record. I think that's the, the next step is to having winning record. You're right there. You were five and six. One game goes a different way. You have a, win a winning record. It's really that easy. But I don't think there's any reason for them to not continue their momentum. And you look at the fact that they got new facilities. If y'all thought I was overblowing the idea of new facilities, go listen to the Feature Friday from Steve Weiss last Friday. He talked about the budgetary deficiencies and how that impacts HBCU athletics. So I'm not just blowing smoke here. The facilities aren't the end-all be-all, I understand, but they do matter. There's a reason that he brought those up. I didn't tell him to talk about the budget and talk about how they don't have enough funding in the athletic program. He chose to talk about that. So it's a lot of great things happening over there at Tennessee State. I really think that this is a school that you need to watch out for. It's a school that I'm going to definitely pay more attention to, and it's a school that I'm going to discuss on the podcast more because we do need to discuss our, our HBCUs that are not in the MEAC or within the SWAC. I got to make sure I do that. But one thing I want to talk about is our last state. We got South Carolina State. And they're on a hot streak because they have won a lot of games as of recent, but it did not look like they were going to be able to do that to start the year. It's been a real reversal of roles, that one that you really need to talk about a little bit more. But this is it. The putt to win the tournament, you sink it and the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. It's the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. And if you don't want to grow, you probably shouldn't be running a business. It have visibility of financials, inventory, HR planning, budgeting, and more all in one place. That's my favorite part about all this. Because one thing about me, I like, my mom always told me, work smarter, not harder, right? And I think having everything in one place is definitely smarter. I hate it when she said it then, but boy, do I understand it now. And NetSuite provides you with that luxury. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And for the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those who are ready to update at NetSuite.com slash locked. Head to NetSuite.com slash locked for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That is NetSuite.com slash locked.
Alright families, we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked On HBCU. We're going to discuss South Carolina State. And no, I'm not talking about the Celebration Bowl winners. That was a football team. We're going to be talking about the basketball team because they're on a hot streak. And one of the favorite mentioned or most mentioned commercials within my household is this random commercial. I don't even know what it's about, but my father, he keeps saying, let it, let it roll. I'd have no idea why he keeps saying it, but he keeps saying it. That's just what keeps coming to my mind when I'm talking about South Carolina State because it started off bad, but right now they're letting it, letting it roll. And I promise you, this is the right time to do it because you're going right into swipe play or excuse me, MEAC play. The only better time to really keep things rolling or get really hot is towards the end of conference play. I think that if you can go into conference play really hot, that's a bonus. Going into it is probably even better because you're going into the tournament. And that ultimately is what decides who gets an NCAA berth. So it's kind of, you know, both chances are really good. But if you're heating up right before SWAC play, you're, you're leading into getting a better seed. And that's exactly what South Carolina is doing. South Carolina State, excuse me. They only had one win last year. And that led to Murray Garvin getting the boot and getting fired. But then they brought in Tony Madlock. And here's the thing. After a season like that, I completely understand having like PTSD where you're just like, oh, my God. Here we go again. You know, they start off only having one victory in their first eight ball games. And you're like, oh, here we go. They're going to have another bad season because you only you went one for 18 last year. Right. It's like, oh, man, is this going to be what South Carolina State basketball is now? It isn't because new coach Matlock said we ain't going for that. Don't jump off a cliff just yet. We had to get some things into play. So after losing their first seven or excuse me, losing seven of the first eight. They flipped the script and now they won six of their last seven. The only game that they lost was to Duke. And within that run, they knocked off South Florida. They also knocked off Tennessee State. They also knocked off Charleston Southern and Citadel in a Citadel Holiday Classic. So they've had some really good victories. And within that run, that three-game run specifically, you see TJ Madlock and Cameron Jones really pushing things forward. I want to highlight TJ Madlock real quick because he was the MEAC player of the week off of those Tennessee State, Charleston Southern, and Citadel games. He had two triple-doubles or double-doubles in that game. He had one against Tennessee State where he was like 13-10. and 10. Then against Citadel, he went 18-8, and eight, so he was really close. But then you look at his game against Charleston Southern, and that's when he had a 20-point triple-double with 10 boards. This is a guy who's been really good as of late. He's really turned it on, and they didn't play a game in 2000, or excuse me, December 29th. Um, they didn't play a game to end 2021. But he was really good in those last three games that they had. So this is a guy who, he's a freshman, I think if he continues playing like this, you'll see him definitely up for newcomer of the year, rookie of the year. I think that's a situation that you can really see him being a part of. So I want to look at what has changed. And to do that, not, not I'm talking about TJ Madlock, but just in the, the team in general, to do that, I want to I wanna point out the two games that they played against Citadel because they beat Citadel the last time. But the first time they lost, and it was completely different games, but there was one drastic difference, and that's the defense. The defense simply was significantly better. They shot way worse. Citadel shot way worse. In the first game, they had six players in double digits. That's really unacceptable. Nobody had 20, but six players in double digits? Ain't no way you should let a team spread the wealth like that on you. Imagine 
this is something I do. If I want to think about how bad something is, like that's happening to me, I think about how excited would I be if my team did that? How excited would I be if six players on my team had 10 or more points? I'd be through the roof. So to have that happen to me, very disappointing. But you come in the next game, only one player does. Only one player goes over 10 points, and now you're looking like, oh, that's the defensive performance we have. I'll, I'll let Hayden Brown get his little 20-something points. That's, that's okay if nobody else is scoring. You put up 90 points on me the first time. The second time, you don't even hit 60. You're like 57, I believe. And you have Hayden Brown have over 20 of them. He has half of your points. One player has half of your points. I'm probably doing pretty good if one player has half of your points because it probably means if the dude didn't go off like 50, 60 points, which he didn't, that probably means that nobody else is doing anything. They forced a lot of turnovers the first game. They forced more the second time. It's things like that. They shot significantly worse. They forced a lot more bad shots. And they had better defense. They they didn't allow Citadel to get open shots and knock them down, especially from three-point range. They didn't allow that. And I think that's really the difference that you see. But let's spread it out. Let's not just take one game versus the same opponent. Let's spread it out in sample size. They've had a magic number of 70. If they've allowed the team to have less than 70 points, they've won. Period. But here's the thing. In the, in the beginning half of the season, everybody scored over 70 except for one. They won that game. In the second half of the season thus far, every team has been under 70 except for two. One was Duke. Obviously, Duke won that game. I mentioned it earlier. And then the other was Tennessee State. And they were able to pull off that shootout 90 to 88. So they've had a magic number of 70. You don't score over 70, you're probably not going to win. If you score over 70, there's a good chance that you win. Tennessee State just happened to not get that. Look, they, have, they happen to have a really good offensive performance that game and score 90. It's one of their better offensive performances of the year. So that's the magic number. As we go into MEAC play, we will be looking at the number 70 for South Carolina State basketball. Does that continue to be the magic number? Can they continue to hold players or hold teams under 70 points? That's another question and things that you need to ask yourself. But one thing you don't need to ask yourself is why am I making Locked On HBCU my first listen of the day? Rewind it if you need a reminder or go listen to another episode. I appreciate y'all though. I appreciate you guys to the utmost for making this your first listen of the day. And I hope you guys continue because, you know, I like talking to you guys. But on our next episode, we're going to dive into the big time game versus Southern and Texas Southern. It was a good game to kick off SWAC basketball. So we're going to take a look into what happened within that game. But for your second listen of the day, go listen to your boy Q and Lee Sterling. It's free game to make you big gains. It's that simple. Free and available on all platforms, and it's meant to make you be an expert within betting. If you want to make yourself some, some more money, that's the place that you need to be. And in the meantime, in between time, y'all can find me on that blue app, that bird, yes, Twitter, at South Exclusives. Until next time we see each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.